Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're very welcome to another episode of the Scaling Your Business podcast. For this episode, we're joined by Gary Grimes, the founder of Simply Business Finance. Gary, you're very welcome to the show. Brian, thank you very much for having me on. Um, looking forward to spending a few minutes chatting away to you, so I'm excited about it. Thanks. Yeah, I'm chuffed to have you on. Um, three chapters to this, early influences, and then we'll get into the good stuff, which are in challenges, pivotal moments, and kind of what's the future look like. Yeah. Um, starting with early influences. And before you even start there, to give you a shout out, your son, you, you, you gave him a great name. I share a name with your son. Um, so congrats on yeah. the, the best name out there. I think if you remember, that's how we got talking. First of all, I seen your name. Yeah, on, yeah. Um, I seen your name on LinkedIn and I sent you a message and I just said, look, you know, uh, what a great name. The Little King, as, uh, as the Irish translation is. So, um, yeah, great name. Yeah. I've, I've never met another ring before. Uh, any of the ring it's becoming a kind of a semi-popular name in Ireland nowadays I see what well, Conor McGregor named his young kid Reen as well and there's a couple of other Reens I've bumped into that are like between five and six but I'm dying to have a pint with a Reen so whenever he turns 18 tell him to give me a text and I'll go for a beer oh, with him. I'll, I'll be there as well that morning for sure <laughs> <laughs> I love it um, but let's start where you grew up uh, yeah. I know you went to sc- secondary school in Drimna I believe it was either Drimna or Crumlin you grew up in you can correct me if I'm wrong, but what was it like growing up in Dublin City back in when you grew up? Yeah, um, I, I originally moved to the first place. I went to, went to school in Morn Road in Drimna. That's right, a lady emergency secondary school. I uh, also went to primary school there prior to moving to Drimna. I, my first seven years of my life was in a lovely posh part of town called Jobstown. Lovely place. And then... I moved to uh, Cabra, Fossa Avenue, which is where my, uh, my father's side of the family are from. And then we moved to Drimlet, um, and now I'm in Crumlin at the moment. So I've been in Crumlin since 26 now, so I've been there since I was 15. Um, like, you know, some of these areas have their own reputations from the outside world, but having living in them and having grown up in them and, and getting the education I got, like living in those areas, you know, I couldn't speak, can't say much bad about them, you know, kind of molded me into mm. the man I am today, really. Um, and I, I always think, you know, the friends that I grew up with, the people that I grew up with, the quick witness of, of sitting in a pub with someone in, in the area and the slaggings that go between you, you know, that all, it all could have developed you into the person you are today. Um, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a good place to grow up in. I'm, I'm, I'm based out and I told myself, but I've got a lot of friends in some of the places you've mentioned. And I've been for many sessions in pubs in, in those places. And one yeah. of the things that I like most about uh, villages like Cabra, Crumlin, uh, yeah. is the sense of community. You saw, and I know that I'm not going to mention Cabra or Crumlin, but you saw Portland Road and people out on it in six o'clock in the morning for Kelly Harrington. There's just an immense sense of community. Uh, unbelievable. That that area I know quite well as well. So Clarence Street Flats actually, uh, which is the back of Portland Road. Uh, my auntie and my uncle, with my uncle, my auntie since passed away, my uncle still lives there. Um, and I spent the summer there when my mum was over in Australia uh, visiting her brother. So I know that area as well. And the, the bridge 
the bridge, uh, which is a pub down there. It's a great spot down there regularly, and you can see it. My brother owns a garage down in North Strand, actually, just on the other side of the bridge, and mm. I just had to travel over there just yesterday to get the wishbones done on the car for the NCT, and I drove past Kelly's house, and you can actually still feel it. You know, when you're going past, you can see the flags. It's brilliant. It's great, and I think when you see something like that with, with Kelly Harrington, which is uh, you see communities coming together, that's the way I think the way Ireland is. It's just it's more spread mm. out, but when when you get to kind of densely populated an area like that and you have a figure, you're going to actually some sporting kids in the area to go pick up, like, you know, go boxing. Brilliant. Um, delighted to see. You talk about her inspiring people. Who inspired you the most when you were growing up? Um, I suppose a different, oh yeah, I suppose, good question, right? Different, uh, well, uh, at different ages, I suppose, when I was in school, um, you know, I come from a football and background. My, my uncle Ashley was a professional football player from Man United in Ireland. Um, growing up, that's what I aspired to be. I want to be a professional footballer. So, looked at what he done a lot. Um, you know, Ashley used to have us up in the the bogies in Cabra, where I was right footed, and he'd have us doing drills with our left foot. That nice. was cool. You know, we developing a bit of discipline there. Then, as you grow up through the ages, you know, I suppose um, when I first really Simply Business Finance is my first company. Uh, it won't be my last, but definitely my first. And but when I first got a taste from making money, um, making my own money, was back when I was, you know, 14, 15 years old. And my grandmother and my grandfather from Trimna bought me a petrol lawnmower. And uh, myself and Garrett Boy and a good friend of mine, we used to go out to the local area in Trimna and cut grass. And you know, was, that was interesting. So look, you see that that was kind of it was inspired to see them, mm-hmm. you know, pay forty pounds at the time for a lot more for me to go and make some money, develop some great skills doing that, even though you might think cutting grass, we negotiating skills, you know, deal for a fiver, now you deal for three quid, or deal deal for four. Yeah, and getting small little deals like that done just to cut grass. So my grandparents, my uncle, obviously great inspiration. Um First time I got a taste of business, really, uh, an old football coach of mine, Dave Conway, uh, who's since passed away from Stella Maris. He brought me out to to have a job in um, in HB Dennis out in Sorts. It was originally in Richmond Road, working on the service counter and getting to the interaction to business side and getting the interaction with clients. And mm. so it was a couple of different couple of different times in my life where I had different people that inspired me to do different things that I probably wouldn't have went down. Um, I suppose when I got into that world, you know, a lot of, uh, I'm a big reader and I was lucky enough that in the earlier days I was reading books from Robert Kiyosaki and, you know, that's, even though I was going into jobs and I was doing the nine to five jobs, I, I think t- looking at the way they talked about finance, the way they talked about building wealth in different areas of their, of their lives and how they treated people and rich dad, poor dad, the book, great book. Mm. And um, that kind of inspired the entrepreneur within me, but I didn't know what I was going to do or when I was going to do it. So little triggers, uh, people you've met throughout my life have triggered different elements inside me that have got me to where they are today. Yeah, so really cool. Well, you, you talk about some of your early days and the buying the lawnmower for, for 40, uh, 40 pounds yeah. back in the day. But um, over, yeah. Nice. Um, you, you spent 13 years working at the likes of HSBC, Bank of Ireland, City and Grid Finance before yeah. you went out and ventured by yourself. In those 13 years, are there any skills, 
behaviors, techniques, attitudes that you learned uh, yeah. that you carried with you to today? Yeah, every single one of those companies that you've mentioned, um, each and every one of those, I took something away from them that allowed me to roll them all up into a ball to where I am with today. Gave me the confidence to do what I wanted to do in January 2020 when my girlfriend was seven months pregnant and it was Christmas. And she and the world would have told me this is the wrong time to do it. But uh, the knowledge and skills, you know, HSBC, my first job in HSBC, I was dealing with individuals who were getting themselves into debt positions, which was crippling them. My job with HSBC was to help those individuals out of that by providing them a solution um, and saving the money and consolidating debt. And through that, I, I came through HSBC uh, quite rapidly from being on the telephone up to being a, a kind of a, a manager of a very specialist unit, which was the mortgage retention and wealth and getting to manage people. So I got a great experience there developing skills in solution-based and understanding what some of the circumstances were and how to build a solution for it, but also uh, management of, of people as well. So you're dealing with, my immediate team had 14 people in it, 14 different personalities, 14 different sets of circumstances. So the ability to be able to, to work on situations as opposed to being a one-trick pony was, so HSBC was instrumental in that. Citibank, I, I moved back to Ireland to take a job with Citibank, um, really driven by the fact that I, HSBC was in Scotland and I wanted to move back to Ireland. Citibank taught me a lot about, um, you know, uh, middle office operations, managing high net worth individuals, high net worth clients, and securities, and which was which was great. Um, and then, so you got to, I was dealing with a team of 14 individuals, then dealing with really, very high level stakeholders and you're understanding, you know, how to talk to these people, which is quite important. Grid finance was, was probably the most impactful uh, company I worked for before I started this business. I, I, I left Citibank to take a job with Grid. Grid were a startup, I joined them uh, probably a month after they started trading as the, the third or fourth member of staff in there. And that was really as a result of, I think, the entrepreneur within me. I always wanted to be in a startup. I always wanted to, to do something. And I've seen an opportunity there. I've seen a business that had a product in Ireland that was very, that was practically untouched. There was one other lender doing it. And yet in the UK and the US, it was massive. And I thought, I want that, you know, I, I think there's a good opportunity, let's get in there. So I, I got in contact with Andrea Lennon there, and then Derek Butler, who's the founder and still to this day CEO, uh, met the guys, you know, not, I told them what I thought I could bring to their operation. They told me what they wanted to do. And then, you know, we worked together uh, until I went from being an originations manager to the senior operations manager to the fund manager for their investment fund and got to see the journey of a startup from a bootstrap, worked in different elements. We all had seven jobs at one stage and getting to see the customer journey from all the way from A to B and then also seeing what a fundraising side of business and a due diligence. And so, so, so each skill, every operate, every business mm -hmm. that I work with, I, I developed a skill that all rolled into each other that eventually allowed me the confidence and, the skill, and build the skills to to start what my business was originally GDG business finance and then 
rebranded to Simply. So, which is a solutions-based finance, and that's what we do for our clients. The all sounds amazing, particularly the yeah. last part, uh, getting into your own that kind of bootstrap startup, yeah, uh, stratosphere that you were living in for a couple of years before you went out on your own. Um, on any anyone interested in learning more about Gary's business, I'll leave links below. Um, to his website, which there's resources on, and then obviously his LinkedIn to connect them as well. And we'll, we'll give this another shout out before it's over. But um, on LinkedIn, talking about LinkedIn, actually, you've, yeah. you put up a post a while ago saying how uh, networking is key. Yeah. Can you explain why you think that with potentially including an example of how networking has paid off for you? Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I suppose I, I networking for me. Um, you, you you teach sales and Paul teach sales, which is which is all part of networking as well. But I always think that the more people you know and the more people that know what you do, um, I think the job that I'm in is a lot of relationship building. While I would build a good relationship through a networking experience with an individual, they might not necessarily need my service, but they might say to somebody else, listen, I met this guy and nobody does, you should, you should go and talk to him. Um, and and that, that, that for me, like with, with networking, as your as time goes on, the more we talk about our businesses, the individuals, the more we talk about what we do, the more the chance there is that that individual might not need your service, but you might know somebody who does just by somebody else talking in a separate conversation and say, actually, I know a guy that does that, Gary and Simply Business Finance, you should have a chat to him and developing relationships through that. I, you, you've seen that post actually, which was ironic. Um, I was out with my son, Rain, in the park, in Stanaway Park in Crumlin, just having a kickabout. And there was a Cuban guy walking past me, and he had a, a, a parakeet on his shoulder. And you don't see that stuff in Crumlin and Stanaway. You don't see people walking around with parrots on the shoulder. And just through that experience, we just got chatting. And, you know, I, 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 I had a bit lighthearted with that post. You know, they didn't own a restaurant, but they didn't. But, you know, they could have. And that's happened to me before. By being just starting conversations with people, whether or, you know it's in public, you're in a, a restaurant, and you're or you're in a, a social circumstance, and you're talking about what, what, what do you do? And oh, I do this, and I own this business. Oh, and it's nine in the finance business. Jesus, I need to talk to you actually. I'm looking to get a van for the business. Listen, come down to the office, let's have a chat. And that, that that's where networking is key. Not being afraid to talk about yourself and your business, but understanding what other people's businesses and what they do, and being interested. And it develops relationships and they always and you know we still have people to this day which will send me a lead that might not even have a business themselves but just because i have a good relationship and talk to them about it they might say go and have a chat to him and he can help you agreed couldn't agree more yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm i i, I co-own the sandler franchise in ireland with, with my father um yeah. as part of that there's 280 offices across the world each and doing uh working with different industries different practices some people might work with enterprise-led companies like my father does with Salesforce and Microsoft and Zendesk. Some people might work with local businesses like the the local car dealer in their town or city. Um, some people work exclusively at HR. You get the picture I'm painting here, but there's about 280 offices all over the world. Three, four times a year, we fly over to America to, to the conference, but once or twice a week, you can join these calls where there's probably 50 to 60 other franchise owners in this industry on the call and there will be a topic picked and they'll talk about, you know, they'll share their best practices, they'll share the mistakes they made so that each of us can sharpen our swords together. 
Um, yeah, and the topic la- yeah. Uh, absolutely. The topic last night was referrals, and there's an English guy who owns a franchise in Miami called Carlos Garrido. Um, they're a phenomenal franchise, probably do about two and a half, three million a year. And he was talking about how he has positioned his business. Now, their business is probably seven, eight years old, but after four years, he the way that his business grows is purely off referrals and yeah. networking. And that's all he does to get net new clients. He'll tap into his current clients to ask for referrals. He believes the value that he brings is 10, 20 X the char- price he charges, but then also he networks as well. And using those two things, two things only, he consistently fills his business and his pipeline and hits his revenue goals. So yeah. referrals and networking are something to look into. Definitely. I, I do that with, with every single client I work with. Um, at the end of the journey, it's the, the, there's always a question, do you know anybody that I can help? Do you know somebody mm-hmm. that I can help? I, earlier on today, 2 o'clock today, I had a meeting in, in this office uh, with a guy who owns multiple pizza shops. And just by mentioning uh, what I'm doing and talking about what I'm doing, you know, I'm saying to him, do you know anybody else in the hospitality sector who right now could use my help? I'm helping them. But just explain what options are available to them, but not just options are available, how to actually get them. And the answer is, it's very, if you've given somebody a good experience, you've given somebody a good service, and they're happy irrespective of how much they paid for it, um, if that person has enjoyed how you work together, they will pass that on to somebody else without a doubt. So ask them the question, is there somebody else that you know that I can help? If you ask that question five times a day, you'd be, you'd be, I'd be blown away if one of them didn't say, actually, yeah, I do. So yeah, really good question. Yeah, I, I use it myself as well. You know, if, I'll give you an example. If I'm looking to speak to HR managers in tech companies uh, between the, uh, 5 million to 25 million, I'll say that to someone who will be in their world saying, I'm looking to speak to more HR managers that are in your shoes, that are in, you know, ambitious growing companies between 5 to 25 million that aim to get that 100 million mark. Can you think of two or three people that, that spring to mind and I'll, I'll repeat the ambitious and, and, and growth mindset part for a second time. And usually yeah. when you paint the picture for them of who you're looking for, they'll, they can think of someone. But if you're vague in what you say, sometimes they'll come back and give you that wishy-washy statement of, I'll think about it and come back to you. But Yeah, which is a cop out. Yeah, you don't you just yeah. want to, they want to get away from you. But that, you know, I'll get exactly. That. I, I, I know you've said the name of your business, Simply Finance. I don't think we've alluded to exactly what it is. So why don't you give us your, your elevator pitch? Yeah, if we were in a lift uh, going up two floors, I would very... We can go simply, 20 floors if you want to. We can jam it. <laughs> uh, we can, I, I would simply say um, I, I help Irish companies get business loans and asset finances of any type. Um, if somebody said, what exactly do you do? The, the sub-line of that would really be what we do is when we have a new client, a client comes to us and they'll tell us what they need and what they need it for, how much they need and what they need it for. What we do for clients is I work with 14 different lenders on my panel. Uh, I'm not a lender myself. We link in with 14 different lenders who all themselves have either different products or maybe one or two of them have the same. And what that gives us is the first step for every client with us as we build them a financial profile for their business, which is like essentially um, we're pulling all your accounts, your bank statements, the external credit reference agencies, and any other information I can point in your business into a two-pager. Mm-hmm. Um, and that two-pager is going to tell me everything I need to know about your business to either get your finance ready or build a very strong proposition 
specific to the lender for the product that you need. So an example, if we had a retail business coming to us and they said, Gary, listen, we want 50K for a working capital. We build a financial profile. We see what we have. We see what we're working with, first of all. Then we would say to them, okay, you need this product and we think this lender is the best product. So we're going to pull together your proposition with your help and we're going to submit it to this lender and we're going to represent you to this lender. So by doing that, the business owner gets the time back that's involved yeah. in making a credit application, sure. which is, which can be, you might not think it, but you know, if it, even in the best circumstances, it might take 11 to 15 hours, believe it or not, wow. bits and pieces. Collect the documents here, emails, and all that jazz. We simplified our process into, like we, we, we knocked that all on the head at the very early stages. And then we work on behalf of the client to get the best result with the lenders. So the lenders enjoy that because they know when they get a proposition from us, it's fully packaged, it's pre-reviewed, and if there's any questions that need to be asked with the balance sheets, the bank statements, then we have a narrative for that, for that already. You know, we're giving them the information before they ask. And by doing so, it either is shortens the distance to the credit decision and applications because the credit teams will either see it and like it and love it, or else they won't like it, but they'll decline it and they'll come back and say, this is the reason why we're not doing it. Mm. If that happens, we take it away, we fix it, and then we bring it back to the lender. We fixed it, we sorted it, and then they'll fund them the next one. So it's a, it's a nice model we have. Look, ultimately what we want to try and do is we are, I operate with simply in the, in the alternative finance space with those lenders. We, we very rarely deal with the banks, if ever deal with the banks. We deal with the non-bank finance space predominantly because it's, a, it's an incredibly untapped resource for Irish SMEs looking for capital. Um, what I want to do with simply is bridge a gap, bridge a gap between the, the access to the capital and the people who need it, and then just because it's been radically overcomplicated, just, just the application process to a bank is just it's very overcomplicated. So I want to try and simplify it and make it easy for the business owner, but also realign their expectations about access to finance. Because, you know, in Ireland, there's a lot of business owners won't make an application because of the fear of rejection. Hmm. It's okay to be rejected. Fine. It's not great. It's not what the result we want. But when you get a decline reason, you get the reason and you can fix it and then you can go back. So it helps you if anything, it gives you the, the, the knowledge and the information to go and fix so you can access credit. But, but there's so many, there's a diverse range of products out there that the banks don't have available. You know, I, I, I listen to your podcast all the time and, and Ollie Kavanagh was on it there a couple of weeks ago. Ollie founded, yeah. Ollie founded Flender. Strike so, or Flender, one of them. So he was, Both yeah, yeah, so he was originally with Flender and now he's with Strike, and, and Ollie was talking about cashless societies, and that, that is the direction we're going, no doubt about it. Cash is more expensive than debit and credit card transactions, and business owners will know that. So you'll find a company who's the company I used to work for, Grid Finance and Flender, and others will be doing this in the future. They're designing a credit facility specific to businesses that have strong debit and credit card turnover. And, and that's, that's the way it's going. So, yeah, really interesting space, incredibly undertapped. Um, if more SMEs knew about it, we would definitely see uh, better capitalization of businesses, better opportunities for those businesses to grow, expand, hire where they need to, grow into units that they're going to need. And yeah, it's, it's an exciting few years ahead of us, definitely. Excellent. Well, fingers crossed it, it continues yeah. to grow. 
Um, you started this in, in 2020, and, and when you started, uh, you, you sent me a note in our pre-chat that 95% of your prospects or suspects or target clients, whatever you want to refer to them as, closed overnight. Um, yeah. And then not only that, but I, I can't imagine Rian, not me, the other Rian, was, was too, like, was anything older than a couple of months old. So how did you push through that period? Yeah, so, so I... When I started the business, as I mentioned, Janet was seven months pregnant at the time. Reem was born on March the 15th, 2020, which was the same day the pubs in Ireland were locked down. So two reasons to remember that for the future. But I took, um, when, I, when I started the business, I'd done at a time where I was supremely confident I could make it work. And I, I had the, the skills to do it. I had the knowledge to do it. The lender and the space was, was ready for it. Um, and it was a space in Ireland that was developing and it was going to develop more over the next five years. So I was very, very confident. COVID, um, le- less confident when I went back to work after two weeks and the entire hospitality sector was closed, pretty much apart from deliveries. Um, I had to quickly, that would have been a very strong sector for me to operate in hospitality and retail. I had to quickly change, okay, I had to change your own targeting, who's doing well. What sectors, and I have to go away and think about what sectors are going to do well during COVID. Transport, okay. We're going to start transporting, tar- we're going to start targeting transport, haulage businesses, delivery businesses. You know, what do you need? Asset finance, new vans. You know, people are shopping online, deliveries are going through the roof. So we could have pivoted quickly to that sector and we've done really well. We've got a good bit of business in there. Um, I've still done a, a ton of a good few deals in the hospitality sector with businesses who are still doing the takeaways. We had to add in a revenue line for the business, which I didn't expect to have to do, uh, which was, you know, looking at businesses, I brought in a partner to do this for me, which was uh, looking at the strength of their debit and credit card turnover and being able to do do a a report for them to find out if if that was the best uh, client or the best uh, provider that they were using because Again, we were looking at debit and credit card was being, it had steadily been increasing as the use of funds. Now that, that there was no way it was open and there was no cash being changed in hands, everything was delivery, everything was debit and credit card. So that was an element. So we able, we brought that in and, you know, it was tough. Um, you know, I, I, I looked at my numbers and I probably done uh, I probably done about 20% of the, of the business I expected to do. Um, I had people come in, I had people leave because opportunities weren't there. And uh, we got to, I got to September last year and a bit of confidence came in and then I seen my business kind of go from there to there to there, which, which now we're, we're incredibly busy and it's good to see. So I had, there was never a minute during the entire COVID situation. Rain obviously is a new baba if anything that gave me i had the confidence to make it work i had the skills to make it work i knew that uh, i have I, I i know myself of a strong mindset i know i stuck to it and i used to you know i have my book inside and regularly i used to write on the book stick to the plan that was always it stick to the plan and COVID actually for me probably and this sounds weird in saying this because you're in lending and 95 percent of the clients closed overnight but the COVID situation has probably accelerated my business probably three or four years more than I would have been. I would have operated normally under normal circumstances. It would have been fine. I would have grown organically. But what happened was 
COVID kind of shortened the distance and made me rethink the whole business model again. Mm-hmm. I knew what I was doing, but it made me value my time better. It made me develop processes in regards to getting clients funded. It helped me shorten the distance with everything and help me bring stuff forward. So while it was really hard to deal with, it definitely gave me a thick skin and toughened me up and then left me with a model at the end of it that was more streamlined and I had better connections with lenders as well. So yeah, it was kind of one of those. Well, you had no choice but to work hard because you exactly. you had a fire underneath your ass. And and I'll I'll, I'll tell you this, um, that will be a cool story to tell Reen when he grows up eventually one day about, you know, the first 18 months or 24 months of his life and, and, and what that was like and you starting the business and everything. My yeah. younger sister was born She's now her name's 18. She was born like 2001, 2002. I can't remember. But my dad started his Sandler franchise in 2001, 2002, literally as soon as he was born. And that was a 75,000 euro down payment. And he decided, Big money. Uh, like he saw the product and was like, I want this. I was on a flight the next morning without telling my mom and had invested. And they didn't have that money at the time. And there was, uh, I was told I was younger at the time. There was a lot of like worrying moments, but, now looking, he's he's yeah. on the other side and he's happy. So finger cross, exactly the same things happen to you, and it sounds like it's starting to happen, which is great. Yeah, I, I like I, I had a meeting this morning. The first time I met my current accountant, Finton, a uh, great guy, very old school. I thought I needed a, a really modern day cloud based accountant, and that's what I thought I needed. But when I met Finton, uh, believe it or not, the first thing Finton said to me when I met him was, "This is not a business," and I proved him and. From meeting him then this morning, which like Wednesday today, I sat down with Finton and you know he's telling me, you need to now work very hard for two years. That's what mm. you need to do, and you know don't be. Finton actually said to me, forget about this working class crumbling attitude, nine to five job. You need to be working incredibly hard to make this business work, and you will do really well. And that that for me like that that's taken me nearly sixteen months to get him. To, to now be to, to be saying that and he's a big advisor he's a good advisor for me so yeah so it's it's um yeah it's, it's a good time and as i said you know the alternative lending space in ireland is going through oh, yeah. uh, growing the sbci are, are backed eight non-bank lenders now with their finance products each and every one of those lenders has proven themselves and they're, they're going back looking for more money so this is the way the confidence then comes from regulation will follow very soon um, and we will see this space develop, and I want to be, I want to be out there ahead One of, of the guys there. Absolutely makes sense. You said that you're 15 months in the business now yeah. with your current business. Have you got a biggest takeaway or lesson from the first 15 months? Um, yeah, uh, valuing my my own time for sure. Valuing how how I did things. I used to give a lot for free. Um, mm which as an educator in the space is, is almost required, but I didn't take a lot back when I should have been. So, uh, so, so one of the biggest lessons I've learned is, you know, you know, value your time. Uh, if you're an ex, if, if you're doing something that is bringing value to somebody, you have to value your time very well. I used to give away a lot of time for free and not make a lot of money doing it. Um, you can't pay your mortgage that way either. Come here, look, goodwill doesn't put food on the table. And it was, a, you know, that was a big lesson for me. Well, I knew my product and I knew what I was doing. Uh, I knew it back to front. I have a very close uh, advisor of mine who works with me in the business right now. Uh, he's technically family and he's very honest. And 
when he seen what I was doing, he was like, Jesus, I cannot believe how much time you give away for free. You are not valuing what you actually do as much as you should. And when I changed it, um, put a number on what I was doing and, you know, it, it commanded more respect from the clients that I was working with. They knew they were dealing with a professional. They knew it was a professional service. And I didn't really see that when I first launched the business. I knew what I wanted to do. So big takeaway for me was, you know, value the time, value the time, value the expertise that you have. And that, that was a big one for me. There's this tool I use, um, if you've listened to previous podcasts, I've mentioned it maybe once or twice. It's called a care tool, keep, attain, recapture and expand. And it's just about like drawing like a diagram on a piece of paper. I'll show it here to you yeah. in a second. K-A-R-E. So you see it here, care. And it's just writing down the clients you want to keep, the clients you want to attain, the clients you want to recapture and the client accounts that you want to expand and then working on the strategies to it. But it just makes it easy to look at. For you, when you're looking at um, attaining clients, yeah. what's your what's your like go-to-market strategy? Do you do a lot of networking events? Do you ask for a lot of referrals? I know you're early dates, so maybe there's some advertising in there. Yeah. What's the kind of the top two, three things that you do? Um, advertising for sure. Uh, I made a decision last year. I had a marketing budget from day one. Um, because of COVID, I, I, I refrained from spending it. But in November last year, if my dates are right, when the second lockdown happened, mm. um, I, well, no one else didn't seem to be spending money on, uh, in the financial space because of what was happening. I actually pushed forward and I started spending money. And that, again, was all part of, you know, the business was starting to grow. There was more money there to spend. I reinvested smartly with the right lads to do it for me. Uh, and that was Galinda from Successful Media. I'd give him a shout out, big nice. smashing lad. And, um, yeah, smashing guy. Um, and that helped me, you know, that, that again helped me get a, an incredible, it was generating, like he said to me, I'll generate 50 leads for you in a month. Didn't believe him, he did. And again, that's where, so what, the way I did the strategy that I use there with clients is, you know, I bring them in the door as a new client. I don't do a lot of online market, online networking, the video networking in the different chambers. Um, I, I, I am an in-person. I do prefer to sit in front of someone and do business with them. With um, I, I use a lot of what I do, and God, my competitors are watching this, they'd be loving it. But I use marketing, and I use my knowledge on platforms like LinkedIn. I, I talk about I try to become an educator in the space. That generates leads for me from those marketing and the spend and the referrals, I then deliver it. Every single client that I've tried to work with, I have tried to deliver an exceptional experience. And then from that, ask that client for uh, one person that they knew could use my services. Mm. And a combination of those things creates waves for me. And you know, new clients are always coming in, existing clients are coming back and existing clients are offering new leads as well. Um, and that, that's where that little ecosystem works really well for me. Um, it generates the clients that I need and what I'll need to grow the business as well. So now I know what I have, I know where to invest, and I know who, you know, I've used that, I've used the data and I've used the results of the marketing to know who I have to target, where I need to spend money, and what kind of clients are generating me the best results. So it's a combination of marketing first, then delivering a great service with networking, with referrals, and stacking them on top of each other 
to, to keep that to keep the wheel going. I've got two or three more questions left for you, Gary. Yeah, sure. Um one of the most popular ones I ask is around if you had the final decision on adding a subject, mandatory subject to the secondary school curriculum, what would it be and why? Um well, I'll tell you, I'll speak from my own experience. I, when I was in school, I was always very good at business. I wasn't the greatest student. I was, I, I knew I was one of those guys. I, I knew I was smart. I knew I picked up things quickly and I was good in business. Um, never in any of my classes or businesses, business studies classes, did anyone ever talk about how to start a business, how to manage your taxes, what's involved in starting a business, what's the what what the word CRO stands for, what the word VAT stands for. No one ever taught me this. No one ever taught that. And that's a lot of, that's something that even back, back when I was in school, it was probably less relevant to what it is now because now I look at, you know, I'm looking at, you know, say Nisha, who is my, my niece, has a, an eyelashes business. She has over 2,000 followers on, uh, she has over 2,000 followers on, on, on Instagram and she does good business, but she does not understand business. She doesn't understand VAT and taxes and mm. buying. Like she's 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 got the experience of buying stock and selling it, and understanding where our margin is now, and and that's just not taught. Like we, me and our dad Barry, um, you know, she needed money to buy stock, uh, to buy eyelashes, technically stock, and you know we gave her a loan and we thought that we were going to charge her ten uh, percent on the loan. And she needed to sell the stock for more than that to generate uh, a margin for herself. And that was a little bit of an education for what she's now taken away. And yeah. I think it's some sort of, I don't, I don't like entrepreneurship is something that I know they're doing it in colleges now, there's courses in entrepreneurship. But if you go back to, you grab kids when they're 14, 15, 16, teach mm-hmm. them, listen, you know, the world, I'm of the opinion now that. You know, the, the, there used to be status symbols in life, lovely house, lovely car, the grid. That was status symbols. You had those things, you were doing really well. But I think we've moved on from that now. I think, you know, status symbols in life now will be a lot around you know, freedom, you know, financial freedom, location freedoms, and uh, time freedom. And I think if you start teaching kids this back when they're, when they're 14, 15, because this is how you make money, and this is how you control your own destiny. We would see a lot more. Uh, we'd see a lot more. So, answer your question. Uh, more real time, real world education about what it's like when you leave school, paying taxes, how to start your own company, and how to survive and thrive. Fifth person in a row that said that. So, let's really? see if we can keep. Let's see if we can keep it going. Well, you know, you know, it's something I've been saying. I was going to go back to my old school in Morn Road um, and ask, could I do it? Uh, the, the headmaster has changed, but. Um, it is something that I would love to do just to talk about my experience yeah, and how I got should. to where I was and where I am yeah definitely final question for you uh, I've yeah. done some research on you a couple of things I know about you. you you've already alluded to it you lived in the UK you lived in Scotland for a number of years you, you're a dog owner you've been to places like Spain and Greece you're a United fan I don't know whether that's by choice <laughs> or because you're related to Ashley um, yeah. you, you also said you travel to a lot of the UA Ireland games what yeah. do you like to do outside of work that not a lot of people know about you um, I yeah, it's a tough one because a lot of the a lot of my life is, is centralised around work. But I I enjoy kind of well spending time with the family, but making memories with the family, I suppose, is what nice. I enjoy most. By 
So, so you know, outside of work every weekend, I, we, my girlfriend will try and do something or go somewhere to create a memory or something we can look back on. And, you know, I, I have the obvious ones. I love playing football. I um, Obviously, I, I, I'm getting back into playing golf. They're kind of, they're the, the vanilla answers, I suppose, is what you get. But making memories with the family, traveling, I, I am determined to visit every, all 32 counties of Ireland. Um, I can only do business with, with, with businesses in the Republic, but to help bring that pastime and blend it in with, with, with my job, what I am planning, I'm probably doing, and this is obviously, this was an exclusive for you, Rain, uh, is kind of taken simply on the road next year. Uh, nice. You know, well, if you pass your retort, give us a shout. Yeah, you know, look, I, I don't know, maybe we rent a camper van and visit all counties of Ireland where I can help businesses you know, even if it's a, a visit every single county, one place everywhere, talk about business finance, how to and where to get it. So traveling is something I love to do, making memories with the family and yeah, good stuff. That's all good stuff. It's all good for the minds, you know. Yeah, epic. And there's, there's definitely loads of local enterprise offices across the country where you can like yeah. hire venues for a couple of hours and then just market to people in that definitely. country to come to Absolutely. where that town, depending on how big the town is and, yeah. and, and go on the road. Nice one. Well, yeah. Gary, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Um, I wish you continued success. Thanks, uh, I hope the next 15 months are more successful than the last 15 months. Um, but thanks for being my guest today. Yeah, Rain, you're very good. And I'm, I'm delighted to be on. I'm, uh, I enjoy listening to the, the characters. And we were talking before I came on there, we were talking about, I asked you about Paul. Um, a snippet, I love Paul's snippets. I, I picked up something from him about pattern interruption. And I love it. Mm. Um, I just thought I'd mention it before we finished. He was talking about the, the, the expected answers against the pattern interruption. And it's actually a sales tactic I brought in. I get it all the time in the business. Why should I use you instead of going to the banks? You know, and it's one of those questions where you can get defensive. But I've seen a snippet of Paul. He was talking about pattern interruption and I brought it into my business. So, so I wanted he, to mention that as well. I'll, I'll, I'll leave a link below. He has his own podcast, yeah. Bulletproof Your Business, where he talks to a lot of leaders in tech companies. Uh, he's also got a Vimeo channel with like tons of webinars he does on qualification, pattern interrupts, prospecting. And as I said, he's trained top companies out there, Oracle, Salesforce, Microsoft, Zendesk. So uh, I, yeah. I, I've learned a ton from him. So, but I'll definitely yeah. tell him about the thing he told me before do, the podcast. Uh, and uh, we, we'll, we'll definitely meet in person sometime in the near future. Absolutely, I'd love to do that. Whether I'm, out, forward, when I'm in town next or uh, whenever you're out in Rotota or Ashburn. Sounds good. Love you, mate. Gary, take care, man. Take it easy. Metro, don't trust you. I'm going to show you. Beautiful morning. Get a sign of my morning, babe. Nothing